Hello. I am waiting on my guest for today's call to come on. I'm going to be talking with Riley. Let me just wait to see if she's going to come on and I'll invite her. Whew. All right. Mm. How are you doing? Anybody who's tuning in right now, <laughs> if this is your first time tuning in to Shift Happens, this hair is kind of out of control right now. If it's your first time tuning in, Shift Happens is an ongoing series that I have where I have an open, honest, conscious conversation with somebody who I like to say is living life that doesn't make sense on paper, or somebody who has gone through certain things in their lives that has changed the trajectory of their life, that has kind of shifted something within their lives where they're now seeing things in a different way and not only seeing things they're having an awareness of a different way of life but they're actually living it and Riley is actually on right now who is my guest for today so I'm going to invite her on there we go hello how are you I am good. Oh my god, you look stunning. Oh, Your hair looks amazing. You. <laughs> thank you. You know what? I swear to God, at Christmas, my grandfather looked at me and he goes, Is your hair always going to be straight? I said, No. He goes, Yeah, don't wear it like that anymore. Because oh. my hair is actually curly, so right. now I have to wear it curly all the time. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, because I actually did your hair for your photo shoot. So yeah, you were just like extra curly. Can you believe it's been like four months since the photo shoot? Life is just <laughs> happening way too fast. <laughs> it does not feel like it. Insane. Insane. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you and Nick doing? You guys have traveled quite a bit. Um, We just went to Mexico just for a month uh, back in September, October ish. <laughs> probably better than it is here nice and warm it was warm i montreal winters i feel like are more brutal than toronto or that area winter so i'm like <laughs> it's so cold <laughs> no kidding but um thank you for being open to chatting with me today i'm actually really excited to talk to you this is something that you wrote you wrote me um a few days ago or i think uh, a few weeks ago and you told me that this is something you never actually talk about publicly no never this is the very first time i'm actually having a discussion about it period outside of like a hospital room with a doctor or with a very very close friend or a, like one family member i can count mm -hmm. between two hands like under 10 fingers the people that have known this struggle that i've went with and it mm -hmm. was when i was reading through the questions that you you had when you invited me to speak with you and I was reading something about process and journey I'm like how do I speak on behalf of who I am when I can't talk about the struggle that made me who I am like how like how do you speak on that without it, it's such a stigma because you, you feel like you have to go through barriers and obstacles regarding it and like mm. for what why can't we just be open about like our own struggles especially you know why because there's a stigma that you can't have you can't have something to do with bodybuilding and you can't have something to do with eating issues and put them together because mm -hmm. there's so many people that say once you're involved with bodybuilding that's what causes it yeah and for me not true yeah no you know? I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you about this because this is so i have a lot of chat with people right and i like to say the chats that i have are with people who 
are living lives that don't quite make sense on paper or people that have gone through things that have changed their whole lives where they're able to see life in a different way and experience life in a different way now, right? Yeah. And a lot of these shifts, I call like, you know, shift happens, a lot of these things are ways in which society doesn't necessarily go along with, right? Like you're literally changing a way that like society says, this is how this works. This is what you do. A, B, C, D, this is the only path, but you're doing something differently. You're like, mm, that doesn't quite work for me. I, I don't know. I think I'm figuring this out in another way. Um, so before we get to, because I really want to dig deep into what you're talking about, um, but I'd love to for you to just introduce yourself and in however way you want to and just say who you are and how you show up in the world. Yes, my name is Riley. Riley Pelchat. <laughs> Try and spell it. Like, <laughs> honestly, um, I show up in the world every day trying to be myself. I don't try to mm. replicate. I don't try to be because for years I used to question who I was, my identity, why I wasn't a certain person. I show up every day as myself now. And if I don't mm -hmm. like it, I change it. If I don't like who I am, then that's my own problem and I don't make excuses for it. I show up as me, my faults, my imperfections, my growth, everything. I show up as me and every day working towards the best version that I can be of that. I love that. I love that answer so much. And I love that, you know, you say you show up as you and knowing that that changes, that changes based on like circumstances oh, and so experiences much. and oh so much mm, I but love you know that. what because I, I think we all fight that our whole mm -hmm. lives I think we we fight even like look at media look at around us you know we buy the sweaters because we liked it on somebody else we buy the makeup because it looked good on tv right and we want we're just aspiring to be close to the things that we see and we want to relevate towards that no take it and apply it make it yours Right. And it takes a whole lifetime to do it. Like I didn't wake up one day and I'm going to be me today. You know, mm -hmm. I'm learning how to apply things and make them my own and how they're mm -hmm. going to either benefit me, discredit me, anything like that, you know? So mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just trying to be me, whatever makes that, you know, whether it's successful, whether it's a failure, whether it's a lesson, I show up in the world as me. This is what we get. Me with tea. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, I always say that um, this journey, this self-discovery journey, it's almost like peeling off layers of yourself, right? Of rediscovering or remembering certain yeah. things about yourself that is almost like activated through certain experiences, right? So a lot of time we shy away from these emotions or these experiences when in fact going through them actually reveals that part of ourselves that we didn't even know was there. 100%. Right? So I love that. I love that so much. Okay, now... Let's talk about, oh my God, I just got paint all over this desk. <laughs> I have paint all over myself right now because I'm painting and I just realized I'm like, I just put paint all over my desk. Oh anyway. <laughs> Sweater dry. Right. Um, so let's talk about um, your struggle that you mentioned earlier today. If you want to, like, I'll give you the floor. Anything that comes up for you that you really want to share. And then later on, I'll probably ask some more questions about it. Yeah. But let's just talk about like whatever's coming up for you that you wanted to share about this I, like the I, beginning or yeah I think I'm gonna go through like the the basics that that we learn in elementary school who what why and how mm. so 
you know, I was diagnosed when I was 16. And I think it took a total of like something like a year for them to actually diagnose it because I was in denial, like heavy, heavy in denial. And I want to just absolutely scrap this right away. Anorexia and eating disorders are misunderstood by the world. I don't care how much mm -hmm. controversy, how much controversy it brings. It's misunderstood. And it's not educated enough towards people because everyone thinks it has a look everyone's looking for a certain thing about it and it never ever happens that way and it never ever surfaces because you want a look or your weight a certain way it's because mm -hmm. of circumstance or a pain or a trauma and at that time it's usually linked with something to do with your appearance or a food or an association around that body image area and it creates this issue. And I'll, I'll mm -hmm. happily talk a little bit more about that. But I was diagnosed at 16. Now I have something called atypical anorexia nervosa. It's atypical for two reasons. One, because my weight was so uncharted and there was no, like, no normal way that they were able to calibrate or calculate any um, the it, like the way they explained it because they kept me very in the dark with doctors about my weight it would go up it would go down it would go up it go down and there was no continuous trends and they had not seen stuff like that before so they said okay so this is a different prognosis or diagnosis that we're used to and also when i eat i gag on my food and that happened even before i was diagnosed i remember i came home from work one day i remember it so specifically and I was working, I had just started my job at a gym and I came home, it was probably 11.30 and I was picking at something on the stove and I gagged. I remember spitting it out and going, that was weird. A couple weeks later, it happened again. A couple weeks later, it happened again from like a sandwich to a wrap and then it became more frequent and it kept happening. And then all of a sudden it was every day and then it was everything I was eating. And wow. I went to the doctor and I said, I have something stuck in my throat and I can't eat properly. I said, okay. They sent me for so many tests because now my weight is dropping. I'm becoming extremely unhealthy. I'm malnourished because I'm not taking vitamins at this time. And at this time, I am working out. I have a fitness coach. I am very into the gym. And I'm going to say it took them, like I said, probably six months to a year and they said, we've done checks for blockages. We've, we've checked for everything we possibly can physically. And there's nothing wrong with you. And I was like, what the heck? And they said, how do you feel about yourself? I said, I feel fine. I don't, I don't understand what any issue would be. They're like, have you ever considered us? I don't have any eating disorder. I said, I'm fine. My ego is fine. I, I look in the mirror. I feel insecure like everybody else, but I'm fine. And they said, okay, well, we're going to just send you for some, some tests. And they, and they sent me to a referral clinic. And I remember sitting and they asked me a series of questions. And they, like, they just looked at me in the face and said, you have anorexia. Like, no questions asked. I was, like, shocked. But wasn't. Like, this was, it was so long ago. But I remember when they said that. And just like that, I was admitted into the hospital. And they, I remember sitting in a room for eight hours with three doctors in one room, five in the other, two in the other. They made me get naked. They looked at everything on my body. 
they assessed your skin, your vitals, they assessed everything. They checked my weight, they looked at everything. They asked me a series of questions for like six hours. And then they finally came out with the diagnosis, but they asked, but you gag on your food. I'm like, yeah. And there's no explanation for it. They said, so we, what we've established with you is that you mentally, your body rejects so wanting to be your weight and appearance you've developed this habit with gagging and like we're just gonna have to treat it like back to the six-year-old clinics that don't know how to eat their food or swallow their peas that mom makes them so half of my treatment consisted of going out with my doctor who was like she was amazing she would take me out and we would get different foods each week and she taught me to a build a better relationship with food and be how to eat again mm-hmm. so it was a slow my eating's not perfect but it it's gotten a lot better because I went for a year almost not eating solid food I ate pudding mm-hmm. applesauce and tomato soup and with like going through this and then the mental aspect when you're finally surfacing going through treatment you're going you know, oh, I you go from in denial, I don't need help to, okay, I have an issue. I have to try and start helping it because you don't want help. I, I probably didn't want help for probably a year and six months. And, you know, I'm fainting. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm sick, but I'm fine. I'm not sick enough, so I'm fine, right? You Like, you live in, in denial, and then you don't really want help until you want help. Right. Right, so that, that took me that I was in that treatment for two years and then I transferred to an adult clinic and when I was there for I was there for probably just under three months um it was very quick it was really unfortunate and it's a flaw in our system that you can't stay with your doctor even from ages because when I was admitted when I was 16 until I was 18 and then I had to switch um and it was developing a whole new relationship, but also a whole new system of treatment. And I hated it because their method of treatment was first day, you get to step on a scale, check your weight, and they send mm-hmm. you home. Mm-hmm. And that was like the most traumatizing thing because I'm going from blind weight for so long. No, I was on no physical exercise order, right? It was just like eat, eat whatever you can. And honest to God, I probably wouldn't have. I was with Caleb every appointment. I was with Caleb every single day. He'd come home from work. I'd been lying there for hours because you don't want to move. You're so exhausted, mm. right? And for, for, no, for no reason other than the fact that you mentally can't bring yourself to say, I, I, I can eat today. Wow. Right? So I would slowly start eating different things. Um, and you have to remember, it's hard to eat a lot of things because I'm gagging on things right? So I eat, chew, 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 try and swallow. Sometimes it comes back up. Sometimes it goes down. It's kind of a gamble. Um, But a lot of things that were small and crunchy or like a pudding or an applesauce, that was really easy to eat. Um, I drank a lot of tea. Um, My favorite though has always been desserts and sweets. And I always gravitated towards that. Ironically, it just like the numbers didn't fixate in my head. It was like, this is what I enjoy eating. This is the things that I like. So it was just years of applying those things and 
transferring treatments, I actually left adult treatment early because I did not get along with my doctor and I had so mm -hmm. many concerns. And like, she looked at me the last day I did treatment there and I said, like, I can't just eat these things you're asking me to because I'm, I'm gagging on my food. And this was at St. Joseph's Healthcare. And she looked at me and she said, well, you start school in the fall, that's probably not a good idea. And I said, well, I've taken a year off school to try and, you know, start recovery for this and get better so I can go to school because I was moving to Toronto at the time. And she said, well, I'm going to send you to Toronto, but it's going to be an eight-hour clinic five days a week. And you need it to learn to eat again. I said, well, like, I can't. I have to work. I have to go to school. I can't do that. And she said, well, we've reached an impasse. I can't help you anymore. This is a doctor who specializes in eating disorders and also told me I would never step in a gym again. And it was a bad idea to do physical exercise. And that was the number one thing that helped me. Just saying. Uh -huh. But, you know, when you have a doctor looking at you and saying, yeah, we've reached an impasse. I can't help you anymore. Eesh. Right? So I, I'd stop going to that treatment because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm not helpable. And it really wasn't until doing both my own work, doing different courses in Stony Creek, going to university and getting back into the gym where I, I flourished the most, honestly. Mm. And it was, I, I went through multiple friends. I went through multiple, you know, not relationships romantically, but just different relationships and lessons with people that helped build. And it took a lot of people who didn't understand what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And I chose to be quiet about it. So, like, that's that's partially on me. But I feel like it made me grow so much because I guess now it's been five years. But it's nice to be able... I never thought the day would come where I'd be sitting talking about it, going, oh, yeah, something I went through. Because mm -hmm. you never actually grow out of it. It's there. It's every day. There's problems I face every day. And if it's not every day, it's every other day. There's a bad day or something comes up. You just learn how to cope and be better and, you know, deal with the waves as they come. Because there was a time you just didn't, you couldn't deal with it. Mm -hmm. mm. Wow, that's so, holy crap, wow. <laughs> um, there's so much in there to even unpack, but I'd love to go back and just ask you, what was your relationship like with food before? Did you always have, um, like, were you a picky person when it came to food or like, this almost seemed like maybe something happened that if your subconscious mind, like they're saying your, your body's literally like shutting down, you know, bringing this, this habit and shutting down certain parts of, you know, not letting you actually eat. So do you, or do you, to your awareness, obviously, was there like a trauma or was there something that happened that, or were you always just like a picky person with, when it comes to food or your relationship with food was always difficult? Is what so, I'm trying to ask. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a good question. That's a big question too. I never had food trauma, but I had a lot of people trauma. Gotcha. So as a child, there was actually You don't have to go into the trauma no, specifically. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. It's like okay. things that are also if it ever relates with anyone, I'd love to share. There was a point in time I couldn't even talk about this without like wallowing up and sobbing. Yeah. But I worked yeah. through like I worked through it. But there's a few handful of instances through my young childhood. There's one instance in the fifth grade, I think. And these girls 
who I can still visualize in my head and hear them, they had told me that I was too big for a, for a uniform. And that day I was going home for lunch. Mm. And I remember I was wearing a red Mickey Mouse sweater and I walked home. And usually, always, my mom was there to meet me because I live right down the road from my school. And, I wa and she wasn't there. She just happened to be running late this day. So I walked home crying, but I took my bag because I knew I didn't want to go back to school. So I went home and my mom had left me this, these, this little pasta shells, I think it was. And it was on the microwave, a little note like, boo, I'll be home soon. Because that's what she calls me. And just crying. Like nine years old and I remember crying and I couldn't mm. stop. And I put these in the microwave and I finally stopped crying. And I pull them out and I start eating. And my mom walks in the door and she goes, like, sweetheart, what's wrong? And I have, like, I'm chewing food and I just start sobbing right so that's one instance and it took me forever to recall that um another instance when i was younger than that i remember sitting on a trampoline in my backyard with two other people and my sister and everyone's looking at each other and i, I think it was my mom or my dad that said okay guys three people on the trampoline you know we're all looking at each other and they say okay you know we should probably you know get someone off and i remember my guy friend at the time looked at me and said yeah the heaviest person should get off and they all look at me and said okay well who They're like Riley you need to get off I'm like seven years old and we're already putting weight as an issue I was the youngest and mm -hmm. I get off and it like it embedded in my brain so these little traumas were little things through childhood that instilled mm -hmm. this importance of appearance importance of when trauma happens, either eat, don't eat. When you're eating, should you be? What helps when you're not eating, right? So these are these little things that start. Through the eighth grade, there was a boy who persistently asked me if I was, you know, dropped on my head or why I wasn't attractive as, as attractive as my sister. And it was one day he asked me and I was wearing my hair up. So I, I vowed not to wear my hair up for like a year because I thought it had some sort of relation to how I was going to mm -hmm. look. You know, and those things embed in your brain. And then in the ninth grade, it's unfortunate because this is when it had surfaced. And I was actually, when I first started therapy, and they told me I just had severe anxiety, which was actually a misdiagnosis. Because I, mm -hmm. I did develop anxiety, but it wasn't in relation to anything like depression. It wasn't in relation to anything about anybody else other than how I was feeling about myself and trying to cope with appearance and food and control and this perfection need. And when I got into my first serious relationship in high school, um, it was with somebody who was, you know, thin and more feeble. Uh, he was a little older. Um, he was more of a friend, not really love, not really anything ever serious, not even my type but this attachment to attention, right? Because I knew that he had had this infatuation with girls that were thin and tiny. And he had the, I think, ambivalence to tell me, you're a seven out of 10. You're not as small. He used to keep ex-girlfriend's photos on his phone. Oh, my oh, he used to keep nudes. He used to make it direct to me. And he was so thin and feeble. And I felt so big. I felt so uncomfortable. And I felt, I kept 
you know, trying to engage in this relationship. I'm trying to continue this relationship for some sort of validation. Like I can be it. I can, I can be this. Right. And it made me crazy. It made me hurt. I switched mm -hmm. high schools because of it, you know, cause I felt like I needed to be something new. And right after him, I actually dove myself into the gym. I didn't get into any serious relationships. I mean, I, uh, my friends used to make fun of me because I was always single. I talked to different guys. I, you know, had different relationships, but not romantically involved because I just, I was so forced into the gym, so forced into physical activity. And I hired my first coach, right? But then my, what was my goal? I said, I need to be X on the scale. Mm -hmm. This is my goal. And I started eating per perfectly at 14 years old perfectly to every macro I started learning everything I could opening books taking courses google like name it I was doing it and I hired this coach and she's become one of my closest friends she's like family but her 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 job is lifestyle coaching it's not physique coaching and I was mm -hmm. looking for something so specific with weight and at the time it wasn't something I really needed right so that, that almost conflicted and it made me worse without even realizing it. It's sad because I have such a passion, obviously, for the gym and physical activity and fitness and health. It was just mm -hmm. the wrong time yeah. because I wasn't reaching this number on the scale. I was punishing myself all the time. And this was, you know, just through like early stages in high school, I was getting up at five in the morning, going for a run, coming home egg whites she told me okay change stuff in your tea so I changed my tea I would change anything requested I was you know I joined a fitness class in high school so I could get more exercise and then after the school I'd go train you know like 14 I was starting this so young right and then 14 15 16 it's unfortunate because then I'm starting to come in identity realize what I love think of what I like and then boom slaps you in the face like I start choking on food eating disorder comes out right it's like there's no timeline between them that it just came like it just it happens right and it was mm -hmm. just these little events these little traumas and this again need for this control this perfection right. this, this has to be this i have to be this i have to be this right. and it just it happens do you find that in the beginning stages of you having like going through like a fitness journey right like you were so dedicated and this was something that you're passionate about do you find that in a way it was it was to the point of like an escape too because it was something that you can control but it, it also was something that you know you could escape into right because then you were like oh persons are saying people have said this to me in the past but like I can change it, right? I can be, I can look a certain way and I can do something and I'm doing the work to be another person. Did you feel that? I know your relationship with the gym is different now, but looking back on it, can you, like, is there a difference between then and the way you see the gym and physical activities and things like that now? A hundred percent. When I was yeah. at the gym before, it was for all the wrong reasons. I, I just did it because I thought it was going to make me something more. Yeah. And then it took so many years to realize it's not, it's not a diet. It's not a fitness. It's not an exercise. It's nothing to do with that. It's going to make you more. All the gym is going to do is give you an avenue for things that you want out of it. 
whether that's lifting weights a certain way, whether you're a power lifter, an Olympic weightlifter, whether you're a marathon runner, whether you're a physique competitor, right? That's all the gym can offer you. It can't offer you a gateway to everything you want. Mm-hmm. Now it's like therapy. Now mm-hmm. it's like I could spend hours in there and it's like, oh, it's been two hours. I got to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas then it was like, okay, I have to drag out these 60 minutes and just get it done. And for me, it was just, it was just only discipline. It was nothing to do with really enjoyment. It was just because I felt like I had to do it. I yeah. had to do it. I had to do it. And I, I, I lost touch of what the relationship was supposed to be, what the love for it was supposed to be. Whereas now I'm blessed to say, like, I actually have a relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Like I love going to the gym and I can thank to God, like prep competing that did that for me and going through treatment with the right doctors said you know once you start eating once we can get you to a a a stable spot is what they used to call it once we could get you Mm -hmm. stable or like we can get you back to the gym but until then you can't so for me it was always like if I'm healthy then I can I can go back and for a long time in treatment like my favorite doctor her name was Kirsten most amazing doctor ever she was just phenomenal and she used to say i understand your goals i understand you want to go back to the gym but your mind has to be in the right place and you need to be stable when she used to say we need your mind in the right place i understand that now i didn't then Mm -hmm. i used to get frustrated because i'd say well i want to go to the gym i want to you know get working on my body i want to feel better like it has nothing to do with that Mm -hmm. right because i would have been looking in the mirror trying to get again this accomplished weight this accomplished look when that's not what I look for anymore now it's more for the respect of I'm shaping my body now to look how I want it to look but under the most healthy regiment I can Mm. and I I need to with competing when I eat when I do certain things I can't actually compete without being you know at my top health yeah I need to make sure my body's operating 100% or I can't give 100% Right. So it keeps me in a spot of complete stability all the time, which I which I love. It works for me. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. And I love, I just want to highlight something that you said, because you previously you were talking about, you talked about Kirsten, Kristen? <laughs> yeah. Kirsten, but you also talked about the last doctor that you worked with who completely couldn't see you, right? Like she, for, for her to see you, well, she saw you as like your issues right these things that are like oh this is what it looks like on paper it, this is but she didn't actually see you yes exactly exactly and i just want to highlight how important that is you know when we're looking for support and for guidance to really make sure that the person that you are and it doesn't just have to be like a, a physical health kind of thing because i mean this is mental health as well but it's in all aspects when we're looking for support and guidance to make sure that the person truly sees us right and that the person can truly how can i say this like grow with us or see like our growth as we're growing and see that you know like you're not just a, a number you're not just a barcode especially when we talk about something that's so important like your health like mental physical whatever like it's it's so important important to bring back that human aspect of it's not a one-size-fit-all in that like as individual people to be more open to the fact that not everything that is done by the book is technically going to work and the reason why I bring this up is 
we know mental health there's is we're becoming more aware of this right like of the mental health problems that people are having and how traditional therapy you know and i know there's a there's a really well-known woman here on instagram the holistic psychologist and she talks about this a lot how she is you know traditionally trained but she noted there were so many gaps within the system to truly see the person as a person and in the sense of like a multi-dimensional person in the sense of like it's not just a one-size-fit-all it's not just of like okay well my science book said this therefore like this is what it is but to truly see the person and know like there's so many different aspects of that i just wanted to to highlight this because i think it's so important and the fact that you went through this and i can't even imagine how you felt knowing that like whoa this person does not see me all she's seeing are the issues that are on paper in a barcode but she's not truly seeing me me <laughs> she's not seeing this and how frustrating that might have been oh it was like my number one issue was always weight even mm. to this day in competing i love and i favor the athletes that absolutely are so transparent with their weight because it's usually always something that's very realistic you know, we're not seeing these fake numbers anymore. We're seeing the real numbers. We're seeing the nitty gritty where everyone has this stigma of, oh my God, I gained five pounds. Like, really? I can eat Christmas dinner and gain that. <laughs> like, have you never heard of water weight? Anybody? Really? I eat like yeah. half a cake. No problem. I can gain that. <laughs> it's, and it's gone in a couple of days. Like, mm -hmm. there's such a stigma, whereas we're like the real aspects of real muscle, real body fat, real bone like the tissue like we are 70 percent of our weight is genetic that mm. is a fact the other 30 percent is all the other functioning water bone all of it right so athletes that are able to share and actually demonstrate a real idea towards how it's supposed to look and real people how it's supposed to look i love it i absolutely kudos mm. them i one of my things is that i don't share my weight I don't give anyone the power to demean it. I don't give the power to myself to give it value. It's just, it's the one thing I don't. And this doctor, first thing, we have to draw your attention to your weight and make you know. Yeah. To this day, as an athlete, to this day, as somebody who competes and is active in the gym, there's two people in the entire world that know my weight. And even on, we did not check my weight on show day. It did not matter. We were able to mm -hmm. like assess the condition of how I was on by the minute, by the minute, by the minute. Right. So this value on things like weight, but it's by the book. So doctors yeah. are by the book, right? You can't yeah. look. And she didn't once actually ever ask me to eat. Knowing that half of my diagnosis is associated, not just with, you know, the mental issues going on but I couldn't swallow food. And you, mm -hmm. I offered, I remember offering, I said, do you want me to bring in a granola bar or something? No, no. We know what we're doing. Mm. Okay. Oh, <laughs> right? That's so heartbreaking. And, and, and that's the thing, that's the system, but it's all these stigmas that are around it. Yeah. Like even, I remember that movie that came out on Netflix, was it called To the Bone? And it came out and it was supposed to captivate this idea of eating disorders and I remember my doc my doctor Kirsten telling me don't watch that movie I was like well why well she goes it's traumatizing for people who are actually going through these issues she goes it's Hollywoodized it's this star-studded mm. look this innocent Lily Collins makeup on you know goes to this beautiful little country house and gets treatment that's not what it's like 
That's never what it's like. It's a lot uglier. It's a lot, it's a lot darker. I never got asked to go to a country house for any of my, <laughs> my treatment associations. They said, okay, your work starts when you're out of these walls. Yeah. Right. I remember going into, you know, my clinic of the day. So I'd go in, they had to check my weight. They would turn me around so I wouldn't check it, but I would always go pee beforehand because, you know, you don't eat. I did my like fasting, don't eat because you want your weight to be less, right? Not even that you know it, but you're mentally suffering. You're telling yourself, I have to weigh this. You don't even see it. And then when I'd have to go check vitals, they would always tell me, Riley, you're too low. We're gonna have to admit you if you come back like this. So as I'd walk across the hallway, I had a boost on me. I would take it, I'd drink it, vitals would be up. Like, do they show that in these, you know, depictions of eating disorders? No, they don't. These are the things that they don't show. They don't show when you show up, how many people don't actually understand, how many people actually want to separate from you because they don't understand it's not their fault. Mm -hmm. There's no education on it. Mm -hmm. If you watch something, the one thing that stuck out to me, I think every girl in the world has seen Gossip Girl. Mm -hmm. But Blair has an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And they show it as it is. She's a perfectionist. She's controlling. Mm -hmm. These are two of very big issues among people with eating disorders it's very apparent usually an ocd usually something underlying and when a trauma happens it's like it over it's overwhelming whether it's with mm -hmm. a friend whether it's a family and usually with food or a holiday right. like these are big triggers for people yeah and they don't try to hollywood they don't try to glamorize none of it yeah. it's very sudden where it's i remember the scene too she's like here take the pie like forcing it yeah. yep no problem take it and she just she's like she has a meltdown that's more of a real depiction it's yeah. very and it's very fast i think they do it for like two or three minutes they don't really show a whole lot but that's how it is it's very shadow no one's around it's not this you know pretty country house where you go and you have doctors helping you and you get to escape your reality and go get treatment no no your treatment begins and the suffering is hard in reality not away mm -hmm. from it it's actually present in it and that's what i like about the small little glimmers of hope that don't stigmatize the reality of eating disorders mm -hmm. is that they happen and you don't even realize it and it's behind the closed doors of reality they're there they're present they're occurring and doctors seem still don't understand it in all aspects yeah. Like, I speak from experience. I know people who are close to me who've gone through similar journeys, right? And they've come forward to me, even especially in the last 24 hours, you know? And it's it's so sweet and it means so much. I'm like, I, I totally understand what you mean. And yeah. even if I don't understand necessarily all what you mean, like, I know you're just not, a, there's not a look to it. There's not a, a certain way it has to be. It's different for everybody, mm -hmm. right? Obviously, you know, there's there's some things off the checklist that you can obviously yeah. say, oh, I have an idea that's kind of probably more in this sense. Yeah. You can kind of see signs. Right. But there's a, t there's a lot of people that look to me and said, I had no idea. Yeah. Right? And you, you probably wouldn't because I learned how to do makeup to cover bags under my eyes. Yeah. Or I wore a lot of Caleb's clothes. Mm -hmm. And I would just cover up all the time right? Because I didn't look sick enough. Mm. Right? And I told myself, I'm not, I, I'm not sick enough. Mm. And then I really realized I had a problem when I realized a normal person didn't want to be sick at all. Right? And another, wow. another awesome. lesson I learned, 
is even for a long time, even I can't say I fully love myself now. That, I'd be lying. Every day I'm learning. Mm-hmm. But when you take illness and put a we in it, it turns into wellness. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful and I can't even amount the love and appreciation I have for Caleb, who was there mm-hmm. every day, every appointment, all the time, driving back and forth yeah. and back and forth, right? At the worst times, at the darkest times, he was always there. And I have just a handful of people that checked in checked yeah. up or there were present even when they didn't know what to say they were like hey do you want like a donut or something and you know it's it's the small small little things right or they yeah. just showed up with a tea and they're like does, does this help yeah everyone they didn't know what to say they said nothing and they were just like Can, you want a hug you know those people like they're so far and few between but that's the reality of it yeah it's not this glamorized look or this thing people think it is it's it's not mm-hmm. and i well, only hope to like share and educate that because god only knows there's someone or people out there struggling with the same thing especially in the industry of bodybuilding god knows that it's going on i think that isa pincini just wrote an article about it maybe last week that she struggled with it like yay some there's somebody who does this as a profession and can actually advocate that it it helps Mm -hmm. not for everybody maybe it doesn't for everybody Mm -hmm. but there are people that are against the book that do what you're supposed to not do and actually help yeah well i'm i'm so glad that you're open to speaking about this and i think it you know, the more that we share about our struggles and a lot of these struggles that we have, there's so much shame that we put in ourselves, you know, when it comes to certain things that we go through and to open up about this, it's not always easy. It's not because again, like when you look at like what society's telling you, you know, making you feel like you're not sick enough, right? You don't feel, you don't look sick enough. Therefore, what's the point of even talking about it? But for you to open up about this, and to allow others to to nurture you, right? To actually see you as you are and to nurture you is so powerful. And to me, that is so courageous. And it just, it's, it, it's the evidence for me of that human connection that, you know, like maybe they didn't go through exactly what you went through, but for them to kind of, you know what I mean? Like relate to you in that sense of like, I didn't go through exactly what you went through, but I went through something and in that sense, I can connect with you on this. And to me, this is the basis of like what being like a human being is, you know what I mean? Those connections that we can we can have. And sometimes it, it is through these tough situations. It is through these tough circumstances and experiences that we've had when we open up about them and when we get rid of that stigma and that shame that is attached to it. And we can just be open and go... And we all know nobody's perfect. Like, we know this. Like, we know this. You know what I mean? But somehow, we've been conditioned and programmed to believe, you know, the people that we look at, you know, on social media or whatever, that they're living perfect lives. And it's like, there's no freaking such thing. And we know this. But still, we have this idea in our mind of like, oh, wait, no, I can't. Because I'm not perfect. So I just, I commend you for being open and for for allowing the people in your life to also nurture you through this. I think that's so courageous and it's so beautiful. Thank you. God, the media, 
media and that fakeness, it kills. It kills. That term comparison kills. Man, yeah. does it ever. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can't even tell you the night, the days, the nights I'd spend. Like, mm-hmm. even still, I look, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Right? But we forget that, that part of reality. I remember specifically when I shot with you and Nick, it was like that, the most smallest little hope of validation. Because I used mm-hmm. to look at Nick's work and I, I used to see, I'd be like, oh my God, he just shoots like the best and the prettiest athletes. Even yeah. the guys, I'm like, man, they're prettier than me. <laughs> but I would just, I would feel like, oh my gosh. And then Nick has me there. Literally, I haven't posted any of the photos yet, but he goes, okay, we're going to do naked on the stool. Like, okay. And he just liked <laughs> the back shot so much and he just did all the different angles. And when I saw the pictures, I'm like, is that me? yeah you know it's like the small things that you do and then you realize it didn't take it was never gonna it's never like a, an overnight thing it's not like a, a moment happens because I like I went home drove home after the shoot I'm like I'm still me mm-hmm. after after my show I'm still me mm-hmm. right I'm still left with my thoughts I'm still left with who I am it's not an overnight change or it's mm-hmm. such a process it's always such a journey absolutely right especially with stuff like an eating disorder it's the same thing like an alcoholic or somebody who smokes like you when you smell nicotine or when you watch somebody take a shot like you live with that mm, like that urge every time something bad happens like when my grandmother passed away a year and a half ago like my urge was like oh i didn't want to eat for days or even in prep, when you're really low, you're like, oh, man, like, I'm, I'm not lean enough. I can just skip a meal. Even with the reverse diet coming out of stage, like, that's hard. Yeah. You're going from lean and then gaining weight anywhere. Like, some people only have to gain five. Some people gain 10. Some people gain 15. Some people gain 20. Right? Whatever is up to you and your coach's discretion. Mm-hmm. But gaining that, like, you're just, there's days I look up in the mirror and I'm like, I just don't want to eat. I don't want to do anything. I just want to like all those old habits come back yeah like you live with it you live with it all the time and then comparison like there's still days I walk down the street not as much anymore thankfully because I'm growing recovering focusing most on my own journey and I have again bodybuilding to thank for that but I used to oh my god I used to like look at certain people and I didn't even know them and just, I remember specifically their legs looking a certain way and I would punish myself so hard because it was like, oh my God, I don't look like that. Mm. And I would, t- we tell ourselves, we, we don't have it. We don't look like this. We don't look like that. So we feel like we have to hide, you know, and I, I can't tell you how much I want to be rid of that, that stigma, that look, mm. right. That not, not that look of, you know, every person has their own look, their own appearance mm. that works for them, but that idea of what it ought to be right it doesn't matter what side of the spectrum there's nothing oh (laughs) that Mm -hmm. that look even that we went from either you have to be too thin or now it's too obese like no one's ever happy yeah like how about we just look at the the raw and the real yeah we wouldn't have half the many issues we would Mm-hmm. No, you just you just hit on something that's so I, I have to highlight this because you just hit on something that I, I talk about a lot and I'm always reminding people 
even you know when i'm giving advice i'm working with clients or whatever i always remind them you know to be conscious of the stories that you tell yourself about yourself but also the story you tell yourself about others right to really be conscious of this because a lot of times we're telling ourselves the stories about other people and we're making it up based on our experiences you know we're making it up based on and on the blind the blind spots that we have about ourselves but to really be conscious of this like is this actual fact or is it you projecting or is it something within you that you're trying to you know what i mean like to to make up for like to really be conscious of the stories because like you're saying and it doesn't just have to be about the physical sense you know it could be anything like uh it could be anything like in business and relationships whatever it is to really look at the stories of like what am i telling myself about this what am i telling myself that it should be and what am i looking at other people and making up stories about what their reality is, but I can only see it from my lens. To like really be conscious of this and to have a practice of catching yourself because the way our mind works, right? like when you're in a negative loop, you're gonna keep going. You're gonna find more evidence of like, well, I'm in a bad mood, so like, I'm gonna keep going. You know, when you wake up in a bad mood. But you know, when you wake up in your bad mood and you just have like the worst day ever, as soon as you walk out of your house, everything you're just kind of like oh my god it's just one of those days and then it ends up being one of those days and it's like you're literally calling this in by looking for the evidence to make this a reality so to have a practice to like actually be conscious of this and to go okay what is fact here like what am i choosing here and can i really look at this from a different lens is so powerful like yeah so that's beautiful that you're able to do that but i also want to talk about what was that shift for you when you went when you started going back to the gym and started looking at it from like a different point of view a different yeah like a different lens where you're like you know what this is actually going to help me empower myself more i'm going to tap into my own power now instead of letting this run me i'm going to control this but also surrender to it and let it reveal parts of myself that I didn't know was there I really want to talk about like that shift like was it a day where you just woke up or were there things that kind of like stacked up where you were like okay this is happening like I this is different I can feel this different <laughs> I love I love telling people this story because I have <laughs> no I, people go what made you want to compete and this is exactly what mm. happened I have no idea honest to god my my whole outlook on change outlook changed when my grandmother passed away in March mm-hmm. of 2000, 2019. I think it's been, oh my God, it's almost two years. When she passed away, it's like I took a, she was like everything to the family and her and I were so close and she passed away so suddenly. Oh, and I'm sorry for your it, Oh, it's okay. It's been time, but she still walks with me. She's still in my heart. She's still in my soul. She's she's everywhere. She'd never, like, leave my side. But anyway, she when she passed, my entire outlook on life changed. And I swear to God, that March to that May, I look back on my emails, and I was, I was emailing coaches about competing and things like that. It was like, when I was 13, I went to my first bodybuilding show. And my mom was with me and I looked at her and when the bikini girls came out, I looked at her. I didn't say, oh, you know, look at that. Look that. I looked, I said, I'm going to do that. I didn't say I'm going to be that or I want to be that. I said, I'm going to mm-hmm. do that. And it always, and that was like the first how I knew I really wanted to get into the gym. But then mm-hmm. now, later on in life, after my grandmother passed and I had this shift in life and 
looking at things and going through things with eating and the disorder and I was just kind of getting in that spot like okay I've done the university I've worked jobs I've done this I've done that I'm like okay my checklist is starting to get checked and the one thing the one thing in, in my heart that I wanted to do it's like okay it's finally kind of surfacing and Caleb and I went to the chiropractor one day it was in the spring and he took his truck and I was sitting on the tailgate and I was waiting for him because it's like everyone has masks on you can't go on at the same time and I'm looking down the street and I was just like a thought I could compete you know and he gets in the truck he's okay ready to go home I said yeah I could compete you know he goes yeah you could I said no like I could <laughs> yeah I said yeah I'm gonna do it he goes, uh okay sweetie I'm, like, I'm gonna do it I'm gonna I'm gonna look right now and just like that yeah and it was just like this all in one and I did not mess around and I got right on it from May till December. I started what I call like a pre-prep and really mm-hmm. got back into the gym and it was just like, okay, like I haven't done this in a long time because I hadn't since, you know, being off with doctors and stuff. I'm like, wow, okay, I haven't done this in a really long time and I had to look in the mirror, relearn cardio, how to use it without abusing it. At the time I was taking um, like nutrition courses for Mm -hmm. both, uh, I was taking one in school to really re-educate and learn new things about nutrition and taking some with eating disorder, like a clinic in Stony Creek and how to balance out food. So I was applying that, taking that and learning and I was going back to the gym, re-getting into the gym. This time Mm -hmm. I had, you know, Caleb who, we've obviously had a relationship now six years. So he was always coming with me. So it was like relearning and learning not to compare and just stay focused on what I was doing. And that really didn't flow well, even until now. I'm when I'm at the gym now, I'm focused. Like I could know you and you've walked past me five times and then they go, hey, Riley, I'm like, oh, I didn't even see you. <laughs> like, it's just, it's that way, but it's mm-hmm. taken this very long time it has taken such a long time and it actually took through prep like going from crying into the gym because I'm doing two and a half hours of cardio and hating it and hating the gym and looking at the gym doors going I don't want to see you again and I have to but like that hate also makes you love the times that you don't right you have to almost experience for me it was experiencing both Mm -hmm. or the worst and the best and created that great relationship and dynamic and that shift like going through all of it even competition it really after it was all said and done it was like clarity Mm -hmm. like okay this is what I love this is what I like doing and even being in my off season my coach he looked at me the other day and said this is where you learn to love it he said this is where you get to enjoy where you're not thinking about oh you have to do another workout with nothing in your system and being exhausted Now you're having like eight, nine hour sleeps. Now you're just like living your life, eating your food that you you enjoy Mm. and eating more and fueling your body and actually enjoying your workouts, enjoying the process of growth, both mental and physical, Mm. right? So all these little shifts are always happening. But even up until recently, like definitely the biggest. And that's why I stepped forward and, was so happy when we were able to 
book time to talk because it's like yes this is this is time where it's like growth mm-hmm. mm, I love that I love that you you said you had to experience both extremes because I feel this way as well that to experience both extremes and in a way for me and my personal experiences that's what has helped me um, gain the most clarity and have massive growth is to be able to hold both sides of the coin, right? To be able to look at both and experience both and feeling both and going, whoa. But it also, <laughs> at least for me, it also shifts my reality because it's like, I get to actually experience both. It's not as black and white as I thought it was. Like, it's, holy crap, I get to experience both. And not only that, sometimes there's, you know, you have to be open and realize that there's also so many gray areas and like you get to experience it all this blows my mind and I mean I've experienced this in so many different aspects I'm always like life is just a trip like this is so wild (laughs) seriously or it's like as you get older you're like oh I'm closer to dying like what haven't I done yet always and you're like oh my god I'm gonna die like what is my gravestone gonna look like have I done enough like all the time you're like it's horrible I always say you know we're always every second this is gonna sound a little morbid okay just a heads up but every second we're inching towards our death and it's like (laughs) but it's true (laughs) but it's true we are and not to like obsessed over this fact but you know i think we should think about this every once in a while and then go like okay so it's gonna happen regardless i don't know when it's gonna happen you know but like right now i get to like experience all of this this is so wild this is insane this is so crazy like yes let's do this or like (laughs) you're trying to be motivated and you're like well i'm dying anyways in a couple years none of it matters like you know what But you know what? I love that you mentioned this because uh, so I've dealt with depression and anxiety for a very long time. I've learned how to manage that and I've learned like my triggers and how to actually come back to myself and like, okay, let's take a step back. What's happening here? Like I've learned over the years to actually do that. And I think I do a pretty good job. December is always a little more rough for me because I've, I've experienced a lot of loss during the month of December. So it's always kind of like, oh, December is back here again. All right, let's do this. But I love that you mentioned this because it's true. Sometimes, our, you know, we can go down that road of, well, I'm going to die anyway, so what's the point, right? So I totally get that. And I actually would love to ask you because you mentioned earlier that, you know, it's not always perfect and you still do have struggles. So I'd love to know when these come up, these feelings, these emotions, these thoughts, what is your process like? to deal with them or to allow them like whatever that looks like for you i'd love for you to share your process god like there's so many like even in the state like triggers it's all it is all mental like when you Mm -hmm. think of it it's no one else inflicting it it's us on ourselves. so the thing you're not supposed to say is family and i'm gonna say it it's family especially with holidays right Mm -hmm. I have, you know, grandparents from old generations, and I have aunts, uncles, cousins, no kids, right? There's things they don't understand. There's things they don't understand about me. They don't have kids. They don't have, you know, big, exclusive, inclusive families, right? Or extended family, however you want to say that, right? So they, you know, sometimes when they see me eat, they point out the obvious. Is there something wrong with you? 
I'm like, no, I'm okay. Or sometimes you get called, you know, oh, you look, you know, full or I'm a dessert person. I'm not big on, on, on real food. I'm just not even <laughs> for up. Like I just eat it cause I have to, but if I had my choice, I would eat dessert, breakfast, lunch, dinner. I'm a sweet craver. It's what, it's what I like. Mm. Right. So I was always, um, even still, they're like, really? Like you're going to have anything else other than the chocolate? I'm like, nope. And sometimes it gets me. Sometimes it hurts. Right. Mm. Or people, how do you stay so thin? Right. I'm like, you know, I have some people call me that and I have other people that tell me, oh, you look great. That little bit of curve you have going on. When you get that like compliment on your appearance, some of it can be reinforcing like the thin thing. A lot of people who struggled with being extremely underweight and unhealthy for themselves will understand, you know, who suffered with a disorder. That's almost reinforcing to it. When you yeah. hear it, it makes you want to continue bad behavior. Right. When you hear like, oh, you look really thin. It's like, oh, yeah, great. Oh, yeah. I, I remember when I finished my show and someone told me, you look like you came out of the Holocaust. Half of me was insulted because I, oh my just, gosh. I had just worked so hard to bring in that conditioning. And then the other half of me was the disordered part of me was like, yes. Oh, my gosh. Bones are poking out. That's awesome. And like, that's the worst thing. Yeah. Think. And mm -hmm. that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. So I remember hearing that and I had dinner that night because it was the second day after my show. I still had my blotchy tan on and I went in the house. The first thing I do is I grab my rabbit and I, I cuddle him because that's oh. what Kayla bought him for me anyways was to help start eating because when he would eat, I would eat. Mm -hmm. I always go back to that. Find something that grounds you. Bring back to reality. Try and think with what they were possibly thinking when they said something like that. Yeah. How do they mean it? What's the context? I always say you'll never reach anywhere being closed-minded. You have to open up. Because we're always thinking with one side or the other. We're always thinking, you know, with bias, with that one eye closed, right? Try to think with what, they, what they're thinking, what they're trying to say. Yeah. I look like the Holocaust. They think I was too thin. In which staging is very lean right? Yeah. You're small. They also can't see you naked. They don't see how it's supposed to look. They don't see that judge aspect. They don't see the lights. They don't see the tan. They don't see that. They just see that you haven't eaten and you're depleted for a little while. Yeah. Right. They don't understand that if you go ahead and eat like crazy, that you're going to gain excess weight. That's not good for you when your body's in that fragile of a state. Real fast. <laughs> right. So if you listen to them, you're also yeah. going to hurt yourself. You're going to, yeah. you know, hurt yourself mentally. You almost have to take things with a grain of salt, which I'm sure you, you totally understand. Mm -hmm. And you almost, you can't let the negative block out the positive. I always tell myself, even like today, you can't miss out on 95% of your life to weigh 5% less. Mm. Like I cannot live by that anymore. It'll just, it'll just kill me. Mm. Like honest to God, it's learning, you know, grounding strategies. For some people it's journaling. For me, I love taking like baths mm -hmm. best relief baths i love lavender and essential oil like pure doTERRA oils i love mm -hmm. using them they're grounding i'm having a rough night dim lights right going for a walk mm -hmm. doing things very mentally ground grounding if you're having a bad day don't make excuses for it have a bad day yeah if you have a mentally bad day just have a bad day make a cup of tea it's good for the soul eat something you love when i don't want to eat i always eat now, this isn't always for people who work. Like, I don't suffer with things like binge eating. 
Yeah. I can't swallow, so I can't, like, binge. Like, that's just mm -hmm. the basic of it. But for someone who binges, maybe not the best idea to yeah. just like, dad go eat. That's not the best thing. For me, my go-to is to starve. I will starve as long as I have to until I, I faint. Like, it is, it's not good. So what do I do? Exact opposite. If I'm having a rough day, eat something that's going to nourish my body, calm my anxiety, make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Right? So I go in the cabinet if I have you know, like a high protein yogurt, best thing to have, you know, try not to think about and have that. It doesn't work necessarily on prep. So if I have a bad day, I'll reach out to someone like Caleb or mm -hmm. even my coach. I'll be like, I do not feel good. I don't feel mentally right. Find someone who supports, whether it's one person, whether it's nobody, talk to your pet, cry, let it out, put on a sad song, let yourself wallow in the pity and let it out because you know what? Then it's out. Mm -hmm. like what's the worst thing that's gonna happen right mm -hmm. really trying to grasp the idea that it's a wave it's mm -hmm. really hard if you're like in a dark dark spot it's really hard to think you know you know this is just a wave I have to ride it out you're almost mad because you're telling yourself oh it's a wave like no it really is give it yeah. you know 30 minutes and just it'll it'll calm down a little I still get triggers though there's yeah. when I remember working at the gym and I worked at Good Life and there was a girl who would come in and she herself did nothing wrong to me. Nice girl. And she was a trigger for me every time mm -hmm. she walked in. I don't know what it was. And it just like it sat with me. I, I see her now. It doesn't hurt as much, but I always remember like, wow, why was it triggering? Maybe it was the pants she was wearing one day and it stuck <laughs> to me. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it hurt. I was like, why can't I achieve that? Why can't I be that? Mm -hmm. Like, And it just, it hurt. And it's like this, you know, it's a pain you can't really express to and people don't talk yeah. about that, right? It's just stuff people don't know. But learning, like, it's a wave. It took me five, six, seven years to look at this person again and not be hurt looking. Mm -hmm. And just realizing, like, she's a person. Mm. Opening both eyes. Like, there's just because she might have doesn't make me less than. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. I have to, uh, whoa, okay. So, <laughs> you just hit on so many great points that I, I have, I have to highlight. Because when I, when I talk about self-care, especially, you know, in the wellness world, which is not the norm, at least that's not what I'm seeing. But for me, when I talk about self-care, I always say self-care is being in awareness of the energy points of your body, right? So like the different layers of being a human being and how and if you're attending to them. So the fact that you hit on the physical aspect of grounding, actually taking baths, right? Like to actually ground your physical body. You talk about crying. Like if you're feeling like you need to freaking cry, cry. cry let it out like you hit on the mental you hit on the physical you even hit on the spiritual aspect you know in terms of like community and having that energy that support that you can actually turn to somebody and go hey i'm having a really tough day you hit on so many points that are so powerful and so important that i truly believe people need to pay attention to you know because there's this idea that again not just in social media, but even like in our personal lives, right? That we don't get to not be less, to look less day. We don't get to have bad days. We don't get to, you know, not be productive or rest. There's this ridiculous idea out there that you can't just 
you know, have bad days. It's like, if you have a bad day, you need to fix it right away. I don't truly believe in fixing it, but I think it's their feedback, right? There are things happening that are asking for you to pay attention to. And there's no like set ways. I don't believe there are set ways. Um, but I love hearing yours because they hit on all of the points. It's like a physical, your mental, your emotional and your spiritual aspect, just to look at them and like, what can I do to go through this? What can I do to like actually help myself go through it? And sometimes it, it could just be sitting in it. Like you said, it's a wave knowing that like, it's going to come back up. It's going to go down as human beings and multidimensional beings is going to come, it's going to come down. It's going to go back up. Like it's a wave. And when we're going through certain things and we're having bad days, again, we tend to think it's the end of the world or this is always going to last. It's never going to last. Seriously. It's never going to last. <laughs> taking a step back, like there's things, like it all sounds yeah. good in theory because we can control it. Yeah. But things like I've gotten who, unfortunately, I lost one of my closest friends. Not mm -hmm. like death or anything, but he's not in my life anymore. Mm -hmm. I have no control over that. Yeah. I, I don't have control of that. And it, it hurts. And it's like it brings, again, like a smoker, like someone who drinks, you know, anyone with depression. What's the first thing you do? You want to isolate or you want to go in those old bad habits. Yeah. You, you have to take a step back some days and just go, nothing I can do. Yeah. Oh, well, like, I don't have control over it. And sometimes just letting go of the control, just let it go, just to feel it, whether you have to take a stick take it like an emotion and throw it yeah or, like let it go sometimes yeah. that helps and all you can do is be yourself and put it forward and if that's not enough just say you know what that's not enough but it's okay for me mm -hmm. and it's the small steps little mm -hmm. victories that is it and seriously another one yoga changed mm -hmm. my life learning meditation just how to center and think how to think, how to channel, that was like the best thing I ever did was get yoga Amazing. certified. Oh, best thing. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that. There are so many old, old, <laughs> old things that thankfully are coming back into like our everyday life. And I think it's because they just work. And I think the ancients, you know, our ancestors, they, they knew all of these wisdom and they knew the power of these things. And thankfully they're coming back. So I'm all for like yoga and meditation clearly these are yeah. things that i feel like we're never going to change you know what i mean like they're just they're powerful for a reason they've been around for a very long time for a reason and oh, i know a lot of people have certain stigmas about them too right especially when it comes to like meditation i have a lot of people in my life who are like mm, it's not my thing oh i don't i just can't do it and i'm always like okay. you lie in, do you lie in bed in the morning and you try to go back to sleep for that hour you're lying there you're almost meditating because you're really trying you. to get into a dark zone where you're like okay I hear nothing. I see nothing. Like, what do you yes. think? Yes. That's my Thank you. Thank you. For me, for me, it's doing the dishes by hand. Yeah. It sounds crazy, but like, that's my thing. Like, if I'm stressed or whatever, I'll clean. Like, I'll literally clean, like, get everything out and clean. Or I'll do the dishes by hand. And I'm so into the moment all i'm feeling is like the the warm water like i'm so in the moment that's a meditative thing whenever you're doing something where you're not thinking about the past or the future where you're just so present that's yeah. meditation it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be that this yeah. is done to help you train yourself <laughs> to yes. be present oh I, I hate cooking when i bake <laughs> and just like little music in the background i if it could be anything I, I don't that. think I just bake 
mm-hmm. it's the most bizarre thing. Like that started happening when I remember the telling me in the hospital, okay, you need other hobbies. That's not the gym. That's not physical. I'm like, okay, took up yoga, took up baking. I wasn't mm-hmm. able to ride. Like I've ridden horses my whole life. Like my whole life. And they say you can't ride. So I just went up and I'd start grooming them mm-hmm. every Saturday morning. I'm like, okay. This is what it's like to do the stable work again. I haven't done yeah. just grooming all day since I've been like 10 years old. So, and then baking. So mm-hmm. meditative or like a really just long walk. Yes. Right? Things like that. It doesn't have to be sitting in like all in a mm-hmm. quiet space. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just want to highlight this comment. I, I brush my hair with a comb and it takes me like an hour or so. But the focus of just being in the moment and not thinking of anything else, like you said, is key. Yes. yes. Or when, you're, when you just get out of a shower and you just like start either reading something or watching like the news or something and you kind of zone out, but you're still in a towel and you're just sitting on your bed for <laughs> an hour and you're like, oh, wait, what? What's just happened? It's been like an hour. That's the best. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so Riley, you've shared a lot about your struggle with um, your diagnosis and the the path that you've kind of you've been on and the path that you've gone through to now being able to be an athlete, which on paper doesn't quite make sense, right? Because it's like, oh, you have a you have an eating disorder. Like, why would you willingly put yourself in the lion's den? Like, why would you do that? But you were able to use this with intention, and because of things that happen in your personal life, were you able to? Yeah, you're able to kind of shift your thinking around it. You're able to look at it from a different lens, right? And I don't know, like to me, that's that's so brave and it's so courageous. And the fact that you keep showing up and you keep doing it is like, uh, that's amazing. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Thank so, you. I, I, again, it's, I really, 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 really want to clarify for people. It's not for everybody. There's some yes. people who struggle in the hospital that they just can't break away from the numbers they can't break away from you know that pain that attachment Mm -hmm. and they can't find balance so Mm -hmm. if it's if it's your personal struggle and you actually are better without the gym without fitness but that like god don't feel like you have to jump on the i'm gonna compete board like don't don't feel that way for me it helps god do what makes you happy do don't listen to a doctor that tells you you can't listen to a doctor that tells you you can and let's see what we can do to help mm. you know if mm-hmm. the minute that comes out of their word is you can't or don't or anything like that don't listen not just don't doctors listen. people in your life people too, in life. Life. <laughs> you have friends that are telling you i can't you shouldn't be like yeah i shouldn't be with you anymore next get rid of it get rid of yeah. the toxic get rid of all of it yeah. Be with people who are going to be honest and vulnerable and kind and tell you the things you don't want to hear, but also tell you the things like, hey, you're not going to like it, but I support you and I love you. Like bottom line. But for me, competition has absolutely changed my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if it was going to. I knew that bodybuilding was something I loved and I knew that getting into the gym was going to be, getting back to the gym was something that was going to help me because it's just every path I took away from it I took a degree that wasn't kinesiology I took a degree that wasn't fitness related and I still look where I am right back to doing stuff in the gym half of my life like you know and it makes me happy and if that's what it is then just do it 
you know? Mm-hmm. And when I stepped on stage, it was like the most assuring thing I ever did. Mm-hmm. I was like, yep, this is it. Born mm-hmm. for this. This mm-hmm. is what I'm doing. So if it works for you and that's what it is, then don't listen to anyone that's going to take it away from you. Absolutely. And you're able to forge your own path with it in a way that feels good for you. In a way that honors who you are and helps you in your growth because it is something that's very challenging as well, and you keep growing exactly. through it. Exactly. It's beautiful. So one last question I wanted to ask yeah. is, um, what? How would you want people who interact with you, whether it's online or in person, how would you want them to feel after they interact with you? Oh, <laughs> I am such an honest person, and some people say. I don't think I get called dry. I think people say like, why are you harsh? I don't try to be harsh. I try to be intense. I try to be honest. I try to be upfront. I don't want to be, you know, the black and white in the world. I actually want to be the gray. Mm-hmm. Black and white is someone who's happy and joyful. And the other half is like, you're a bitch. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be either. I yeah. just want to be me. And if you're interact with me, if it's anything regarding this or this conversation, tell like, I love to hear stories. There's a long time ago where I used to listen and hear people, hears people things and they, I would compare. Yeah. I would, I would just want to plug my ears and go, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Now I'm in a place where I, I want to help. Yeah. If anyone's struggling with, with even what I was going through in my darkest times, or even what I continue to go through, I'm somebody lucky enough to say I have better management. Mm. I'm not, by no means am I, do am I, is my body sick like it used to. It, it's not sick like that anymore. I'm more mentally coherent. I'm physically stable, right? There's people out there that aren't and they're confused and they're suffering and they're sad and they're not sure. Like there's, they need to hear like, hey, it does actually get better. There is ways to help it. If you need help, let's hear it. If you're somebody who, you know, follows me or is friends with me or anything and we interact, like I just want to be known for who I am, what I do. And I want to be known as someone who's honest and kind. Mm-hmm. That's how I've always wanted to be. Like, I don't ever want to be unapproachable. I get told I have a look like that. Nick's my favorite. He goes, do your bitch face. <laughs> Resting you your face. Yeah. You know, and that's not, that's not me, though. I'm, like, I'm so not that way. I can be harsh and blunt. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm, I'm not that way. I don't think I'm that way. But, you know, I want people to interact with me always from a good place you won't always get that though there's so much negative energy in the world Mm -hmm. but like positive always you know Mm -hmm. show up kind show up honest always Mm -hmm. you know don't be don't be apologetic for it i'm not like i'm not apologetic unless i hurt somebody that's (laughs) but like for who i am i don't Mm -hmm. like i don't apologize i am who i am you know face and confront everything always if it hurts if it doesn't hurt just be honest with yourself be honest to people don't try to be anything else if you think you talk too much don't try to be dry or like don't hide yourself when I speak with people anybody I always give them always whether it's somebody at the gym I've had people come up to me they're like and it's late at night and they go you seem to know what you're doing like hi yeah like how can I help you I've had people numerous times asked me how to do a straight leg deadlift Mm. i've had young i've had old i've had people that have been in class with me in high school because i live in a small town and i'm like i i can i can show you it's no problem 
and my prerogative, my direction, it doesn't change. I will help whoever. I give credit and I give compliments to who deserve it. I acknowledge hard work. Like, that's how I interact. I want to be the good that I want to see in the world or when I think of, like, what I need that day or whoever I needed that day or in that moment, mm -hmm. I want to try and share that because you never Oh, whose day? Oh, I paused. You, <laughs> you, never know who, you never know whose day you can make or change or any of it. So that's Absolutely. how you interact with everyone always. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely resonate with that. And I so, I agree so much. I love it. I love it. Um, is there anything else you want to share with anybody listen to this? So the audio from this will be put on my podcast um, yeah. probably next week or the week after. But yeah. do you have like anything else that you want to share? Maybe um, like offerings uh, if you want to work with people or whatever it is that you've been called to to share let us know yeah offerings if you guys don't drink to your coffee that's half of your problem it's good for the soul <laughs> half milk two sweeteners the best thing for tea <laughs> um god i don't know i'm just like i'm grateful we were able to have this conversation um it's finally a platform it's like a kind of a weight's been lifted off me since yesterday Aww. i haven't gotten to respond to all like i and i'm not just saying oh all my messages i'm not trying to say that i've been getting a lot of texts like from family friends mm -hmm. people i don't know even some people from high school i haven't talked to in a long time or to university some old courses i've gotten messages and people are like everyone's human like as you grow mm -hmm. you realize people really have so much compassion and empathy and they're like i I'm so sorry. I'm like, I don't want sympathy. I want to see, I want growth to come through. Mm -hmm. Like growth. And I guess something that I want people to see out of me, like it's all that's going to go forward. Like this is just a start for me. Like mm -hmm. this is just the start of my story. This is how, how it starts. It's not how it finishes. Mm -hmm. You know, there's things that are going to go far in my life and I'm damn sure I'm seeing to it. You know, don't let, you can't choose where you come from, but we choose where we go from there. Mm. And that's what I want to resonate with every single person because like the people who I keep closest have taught me that and you can be and do anything you want to. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what's happened to you, but you can, you can do anything. Mm. All you need is you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Thank you so much, Riley, for taking the time and for sharing your story with us. And I, I so look forward to witnessing more of your journey. Um, yeah, just like thank you, thank you for thank you for being yourself. Thank you for for going within and and being able to truly allow yourself to touch on these deep emotions and to go through these experiences and and to be able to allow it to change your life, to be able to surrender to the lessons and the growth of this life journey, right? This is what we're all in this journey, separate but together. <laughs> it takes years. Like I've had to change as a person from yeah. every year of my life. Like we don't ever get it together. It's just, mm -hmm. you just change and you figure out what works for you and what makes you best and what doesn't work. And who you were, who you are, and the people that hurt you or the people that impacted your life in any way or the lessons, like you learn, you forgive, you grow mm -hmm. all the time. And it never, it never stops. You just keep changing and evolving and you, you grow and 
like it's it's a beautiful thing if you let it absolutely absolutely well thank you so much for all of your wisdom this was amazing and i'm so glad you were able to openly talk about this i know it's not always easy for you but i'm glad you 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 bit the bullet and i was like i'm gonna be open about this (laughs) thank you so much i like there's so much you can talk about but i'm so glad like we touched on so many important things and you know it's brought me to a place of peace now and that's a milestone now you learn at the parts of peace and what it involves it's like finding love what comes after it or realizing how to drink your tea the best what's <laughs> no it's, it's phenomenal. thank you so much and giving me the platform to speak on it openly for whoever helps whether whoever listens and mm-hmm. whether it's one person or a hundred people it's you know I'm heard you know for the first time in my whole life publicly and openly but you know whoever else feels like they need to be heard they're like holy shit you know like this is just a normal human being or unglamorized just existing this these problems are real and they happen and like that that needs to be addressed and i feel it so passionately especially being an athlete getting into Mm -hmm. bodybuilding it needs to be addressed because it's hard and it takes a lifetime and it's taken me years. Oh, so beautiful. (laughs) I love that. I love it so much. And honestly, just thank you. (laughs) I have nothing else to say. I feel like I'm saying everything. So just just thank thank you. you. Thank you so much for showing. And I love the fact that like your experience is so different than like what we've seen or like what we know what we think we know right like you're showing like a different perspective on it which blows my mind and I love it I love it so much so thank you for being here and thank you for again just for sharing your story and for letting people know that like you get to figure out you get to make the rules you get to decide and you get to to continue to grow yes thank you so much for having me and to everyone that watched thank you so much that's amazing beautiful all right have a lovely night and I will share the link with you when all these things done and we'll keep in touch. <laughs> happy New Year because tomorrow's New Year's Eve. Tomorrow is New Year's Eve, yes, That's already. to end the year at peace. God knows we need it. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. I love that. Thank you for that. Such a great Thank reminder. You. Thank you. All right, I'll see you later. Bye. Thank you so much.